Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast presented by 18 Birdies. This is the U.S. Open Podcast with special guest Charles Howell III. Let's go. All right, golf addicts, this is a huge podcast for us. It is the second major of the year, the U.S. Open from Shinnecock Hills. And DB and Pat Perry here to break it down with you, to give you all our picks, our fades, our sleepers. We're going to talk GPP strategy, cash game strategy, and DFS. We're going to talk one and done, a little bit of golf betting, some advice on what to do on Wednesday before you lock in your picks for the week. And we heard from Charles Howell III on Sunday evening. He was leaving the FedEx St. Jude, heading to Shinnecock. He played Shinnecock in 2004. We talked to him for about 20 minutes about what he's heard of the course recently. He's been to the course recently, and it's a fantastic interview. You do not want to set lineups without listening to Charles Howell. As always, the Tour Junkies podcast is presented by 18 Birdies, the best golf app in the business. You get one year of premium membership, not one month, one year of premium membership if you use promo code Tour Junkies when you download the 18 Birdies app wherever mobile phone apps can be downloaded you want to check them out don't forget to email us for the chalk bomb this week that is going to be absolute fire on wednesday you want to check the chalk bomb before you set any lineups as well we really appreciate you guys downloading the show come back next week we we keep this going every week so come back and if you enjoy the show we'd love for you to head to itunes and leave us an honest review it would mean a lot for now let's get right into it may your screens be green for the u.s open What's up, golf addicts? It is U.S. Open week. The tour junkies are here to entertain, inform, inspire, maybe irritate. We don't know. We do a lot of things on this podcast. But tonight we are here to talk about Shinnecock Hills, our country's national championship. And I am excited. I'm David Barnett. Pat Perry, are you there? Are you with us? I am with you in full spirit and body and whatever mm-hmm. else you want to say i am i am ready to go so excited for the u.s open at shinnecock finally back on a you know just a classic old american course so cannot wait a very old course legendary golf course and we're in the second major of the year the pga tour season is up and running it's going by fast man it's going by fast already it's been i'm gonna be honest it's been kind of a rough day for me uh, I've been traveling today. I'm in. I'm actually in Dallas right now as we record this, and there's been some things going against me right now. I want to apologize first and foremost if my audio is weird. I left my mic cable 900 miles away, and so we're having to do some some different things here. So if this is your first time tuning in. It is normally a show, but it's not normally this big of a show. So thank you for being patient, and I hope everything. 
uh, pans out nicely for this. Um, and also, I'm short on the podcast juice tonight, so any minute I will have a, a knock on the door and um, I'll get some podcast juice from my friend here. I don't know, and maybe I'll get I'll see if they have a pick to win the U.S. Open. What are the odds that they even have the ability to name a golfer playing in the U.S. Open? I'm not going to put the odds at too good of a percentage there, but you know what? I didn't even realize you could just order just alcohol with room service. Like I thought maybe you'd have to order some food too, but you just straight out just got the alcohol, got the booze, and that nothing else. Didn't even get a side of fries with some cheese on top or anything. No, well, I know I've already eaten like total garbage today, so I didn't I didn't add that yet. Um, but no, yeah, just just that. And I just called down there and I was like, listen, I need podcast juice ASAP. And they, they understood what I meant. So that was cool. That's awesome. Good deal. Um, yeah. Well, hopefully they're prompt. Yeah. Um, so when I have to step away, forgive me there. What's your podcast juice of choice tonight, sir? Uh, have a little vodka drink. Um, okay. Yeah. Just, just kind of keeping it rolling from, from, the, yeah. from the week. <laughs> so, well... But before we get into that, um, I did watch some golf today and Dustin Johnson's hole out on the 72nd hole as he demolished the field at the FedEx St. Jude with a 19 under on what is traditionally a difficult golf course. Now, two-time winner of the FedEx St. Jude and your current world number one. And obviously, DJ looks like he's ready to play in the U.S. Open and is in peak form um, other than that, I don't. I don't really want to, you know, beat the FedEx to death here. Uh, it was an interesting week. The golf course looked great. Um, our picks did pretty good. We were right on Brooks Kepka. We said, "Why would you play Brooks and not just pay up for DJ?" Um, Brooks finished thirtieth, but at eleven thousand dollars, that's not very good. He also only had twelve birdies. He had twelve birdies in four rounds, Pat. That's not good. He had none today. I think he had two on Friday. Yeah, I was about to say half of those must have come in the first round. I yeah, mean, he's not. He did not score well. Um, I was after, not after looking. Thursday. You know, we, I had him in the Sherpa show for Roto Grinders. He was my fade of the week, and was not looking too good on that after day one. But I, I think that ended up being pretty good because, like, like you said, I, I, that's what I said. Is you, if you're going to pay for him, you might as well just pay up for DJ. What a yeah. What a day for him! That was just an incredible last shot, by the way. I don't know if I haven't, that's that was pretty amazing. But I I didn't really get a chance to watch a ton of golf as 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 you know we we were quite busy over the last few days. And then when you get home after all that debauchery, you pretty much have to deal. You know you're you're hanging out with the kids. So well, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the member guests. We have a lot of listeners that listen to the show only for the majors. Which if that's you. We appreciate you. However, I also think you you need to you need to listen after this week. Like it's an entertaining deal every week. So come back, come back, stay a while. Let's be friends. Let's hang out every week. But for those of you who do listen faithfully, and you know that Pat was my guest at the member guest at Champions Retreat this past weekend, and it was all over our Instagram stories. There was so much calamity. I can't fit it in the limited amount of time that we have tonight but uh, I will tell you that we finished second in our flight um, despite scoring more points than any other second place team out of 50 out of 60 teams and several um, first place teams and scoring more points than several first place teams we lost 
but we still won some money for finishing second. We had a great time. We won every one of our matches except the last one against the guys who, who steamrolled us. When the 12 handicapper shot uh, an even par on the most difficult nine holes at Champions Retreat. But it was a good time. We had a great time. We, we partied. We had so much fun. And we hope you guys enjoyed the IG stories. If you if you didn't see those, I don't know if you can go back and watch them, but they were freaking funny. That's for sure. Maybe I'll put some of those on Twitter too. We had our we had our pre and post round pressers that we did live on Instagram and Twitter. Those were good. And for me, uh, Pat, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you on a couple of fronts. I am proud of the way you played. You didn't play. You didn't play fantastic, but you played better than i thought you were gonna play and um we brother-in-lawed it nicely and i'm really proud of you that we never really had to use the safe word you know last week we talked about what was pat's safe word gonna be if he started drinking too much and we needed to slow things down and gratefully we never had to use it pat pat controlled himself one of one of the funnier moments was like thursday night pat's phone goes off and just makes this weird noise and he shows it to me, and it's a it's an alarm he'd set for himself that said <laughs> it said pace or slow, <laughs> and it was the alarm that Pat, being responsible, set for himself to make sure he uh, he didn't he didn't go too hard. So that was very I was proud of you for that, buddy. I was proud of you for that. We had a great time responsibly. We did, we did. You know, it's probably a good thing I, I left fairly early last night. That we could have it could have gotten to a situation of a safe word being needed, but. But I decided to check out early, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'd had enough, I think. But it was a lot of fun. Great time. It was. Those things are just so fun to do. And, and like you said, we did brother-in-law pretty well. Um, I, I didn't I didn't play my best, but I played good enough. And, and we just didn't get it done in the end. But I think, I think we, uh, it, was a good, it was a good foundation for our first year. So, yeah. Well, I can't let this podcast go by. This is the last thing I'm going to say before we go ahead and start getting into our U.S. Open discussion. But I can't let the podcast go by without telling the most memorable story of the week, Pat. Please. So Thursday night, uh, so we're staying, we stayed at a friend's house that lives like right outside the gate of this golf course. And um, we're staying in his, in his son's bedroom and we're like, there's a twin bed on the floor and I'm sleeping in the other bed. And Thursday night, we, uh, we both wanted a cup of water. We, we both grabbed identical Masters plastic cups full of water, and we drank Thursday night. Well, then we didn't clean up after ourselves because that's what we do. And then on Saturday morning, so Pat, Pat did go a, a little hard on Friday night, but yes. definitely not, not bad. But he, he went a little hard on Friday night, passed out um, re- relatively early. And oh oh, I have a knock at the door. I'm gonna keep you in suspense. Hang on, let's. I'm gonna bring the. I'm gonna bring the device with me here. Hang yeah, on. yeah, do this. Hey, Mr. Martin. hey yes. How are you? Good. Yeah. Take my command, or if you want to grab it? Uh, I can grab it. Thank awesome. you. Yeah, I just paid it with this though instead of the Thank you. How are you? Doing well, sir. Beautiful. Like Thank you. Uh, so let me go ahead and run this real quick. Downstairs, and I'll get back to you. All right. Um, yeah, that sounds good. I have a question for you. Do you know who's going to win the U.S. Open? No, yeah. you, can you name a golfer in the U.S. Open right now? No. Do you know a golfer? No. Have you ever heard of Tiger Woods? Oh, yeah. I know that one. Tiger Woods. Tiger is, that, Woods. is he your pick? 
That was my pick. Okay, thanks. All right. <laughs> yeah, so he had no idea. Yeah. Um, About what I he, thought. He, he didn't even name Tiger Woods. I had to give him Tiger Woods. Like, what? What world do you live in where you don't you can't even come up with the name Tiger Woods when I just say name a golfer? Like what <laughs> I know, like you just laid it up for him, then you had to, yeah, that was uh, man. Mm. Such anyway, a, such a we're, nice we're gentleman a, too. He was very nice. We're at a suspenseful part in this story. So uh Saturday morning, I wake up first because I was feeling better than Pat. And we're sharing this bathroom with this with, with our friend's guest. And, you know, if you're a guy, all right, this, this next part might gross you out. So if you're queasy, easily squeamish, or your wife is listening, you might want to like, I don't know, you might want to listen to this on your own first and then play it back, or you just might want to skip. I woke up in the morning and I had some phlegm in the throat, you know, a little mucus, and I needed to hawk it up, you know, hawk a loogie. And so I hawked and there was nowhere to spit it because the other dude was in the bathroom and the door was locked. So I grabbed the cup that I had some water left over in from two nights ago. And I was like, oh, I'll just spit it in this. And then later when I clean up, I'll put it in the sink. So I, I hawked this big, juicy loogie in the water cup. And a few minutes later, um, I go to wake Pat up. And Pat's like, he looks horrible. I mean, hair's disheveled. He looks like a train wreck. And, you know, his eyes are half open. He stands up. And I'm standing there talking to him right in front of the, the, the dresser. And um, I'm showing him a video on my phone on Twitter, and he's looking at it. And then I just, I just see him like he doesn't even look. I just see him reach for the cup, and he puts it to his mouth, and he drinks it. And as he does, he pulls the cup away. A little string of of phlegm lays over on his chin. He doesn't even think about it. He doesn't even process that I'm drinking water. Why is it thick? And why is this little stringy thing? On my chin, he just wipes it, puts the cup down, and then it hits me. It hits my brain. What just happened? And I said, "Pat, I just spit in that cup." And he goes, "What?" And he freaks out. He's yelling. He's hawking. He's 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 making crazy noises, and I lose my mind laughing to the point where then Drew, our friend, comes in. And he's like, what is going on? And I tell Drew, I hawked a loogie in that cup, and Pat just drank it. And Pat goes, you hawked a loogie? And I was like, yeah, I hawked a loogie. I just said I spit in that cup. And you're like, I thought you meant you like backwash or something. And then you really lost it. It was hysterical. It was absolutely hysterical. So then I told Pat that if he hit the ball further today, that it was because my DNA is in his mouth, which is kind of gross, but he he brought it on himself. Man, that was just the worst story. I, I, how did you not notice it earlier? Like, why couldn't you just be a better friend and stop me from doing it? Dude, you just picked up the cut. I wasn't. We were in the middle of a story, like talking about something, and you just. I didn't even see. You didn't even look at the cup. You just reached over, grabbed it, and put it to your mouth. And by the time I realized that the cup you had put to your mouth was not your cup from the other night. But the one I spit in because I could see my spit on your chin. <laughs> <laughs> then I put it together. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's it's just. <laughs> oh man, that's why we didn't win. That's probably why no. we didn't win. No, you were striping the driver though on Saturday. I even, was. even at one point, even at one point later that day on Saturday, after we had long forgotten it, you were like, you looked at me in the cart and you were like, dude, I'm hitting my driver well today. 
You didn't even put it together. And I was like, yeah, my DNA's in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I was hitting bombs, and then you started hitting. <laughs> oh, gosh, that was funny, man. That was the highlight of the week there. That was that was pretty funny. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time, that's for sure. Mm, I'm Sorry glad it to, came at your Yeah, glad to have been at service to you. you know. There's always some massive event when we go on a golf, when we have like any kind of golf trip together. Boom was created from a situation similar. There's just always Can you imagine event. what's going to be created out of the Ryder Cup? Yeah, the Paris trip is going to be nuts. That that is that is for sure. Except our wives will be there for half the time, so we're not going to be able to do a whole lot there. All right, Pat. Um, it is time. Let's talk about Shinnecock Hills. Hit us with the course breakdown. All right. So I like I said at the at the beginning of the show. So excited to be at Shinnecock Hills Golf Club for the 118th U.S. Open Championship. Shinnecock is in Southampton, New York. Yeah, they're living it up in the Hamptons. Tiger's got his boat parked somewhere up there. Um, course is playing 7,440 yards. It's a par 70. That is 450 yards longer than it did in 2004, where it played at 6,996 yards, so just under 7,000 yards. It recently had what you might call a, a restoration is what they what they keep what the term is, but I don't know. I think it was just more of an updated um, by the Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw team. You'll recognize them. Obviously, Ben Crenshaw, you'll recognize him. But when um, we talked about Trinity Forest just a few weeks ago, they built that course and designed it. But, yeah, you know, Shinnecock is, is a very link-style course. The wind and the weather will be key. So we'll want to watch that heading up to Wednesday. Um because I think that's going to be a huge factor this week. There's been a lot of talk about the fairways this year, and they're actually playing a little bit wider than they did in 2004, and all are kind of between 30 and 50 yards, with the average being about 40 yards. That being said, you still have to hit the fairways. You have to be accurate off the tee, because if you miss the fairways, the rough, which is a fescue, is right there waiting for for you, and it's extremely penal, and it will kill you if you don't hit the fairway. So you do have to be accurate. Around the greens, there's actually not a whole lot of a rough. There's a few holes with some rough, but they, they've shaved them down. So there's going to be some severe runoffs. This is where I think the weather is going to play a factor. I mean, if we don't get any rain and it stays dry, that's going to be it's, it's going to be very hard. They're not going to get off as easy as they did at Aaron Hills when we had so much rain because they had those runoffs. But it was just there. It was easy up and downs for them. Whereas if 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 the course stays dry and there's and there's not a whole lot of wind, um, that's going to be extremely tough. So again, weather is going to play a huge factor. Um, you got two par fives on this course. Five hundred eighty-five yards is the first one. Not too. I mean, you can you can reach it in two. Um, still going to be very difficult though. And then the other one's six hundred and sixteen yards. So that's not going to be one that you know you're going to see a whole lot of guys hitting two. You got four par threes. The longest is two hundred and fifty-two yards. Two hundred and fifty-two yards. David, that's you played. Long, that's a long you, par three. You played three days of golf with me this past week. Did I hit a drive two hundred and fifty yards? No. I mean, it may have been close. Maybe close. Maybe with with wind to your back, downhill, and a and a top flight. Yeah. And I even saw Tony Finau tweet today that on that hole. 
I can't remember which number it is, but he said he just had the, you know, just the the eyes looking with shock emoji that that 252 yards. And Tony Finau, as we know, was extremely long, but that that was even intimidating him. And then you got the rest par fours. The shortest is playing 374. The longest is playing playing 519 yards. This is going to be a very difficult test for these players and you hear like players like Mickelson who's been here a couple times leading up to the tournament he thinks it's in fantastic shape it's going to be a great test for these guys um so we'll see it's gonna I I can't wait to to see what we we get as far as weather's concerned looking at past champs um just to go through them I know we're obviously on a different course and you know for the U.S. Open every year but we had Brooks Koepka last year DJ in 2016 Jordan Spieth in 2015 Martin Keimer in 14, and then Justin Rose at Marion in 2013. For me, my stats are going to be, I think recent form is huge. I think it always is going into a U.S. Open. So that's going to be big for me. Also driving accuracy, um, scrambling, strokes gained off the tee. And then bogey avoidance, we, we know you have to avoid the big numbers. you got to make pars. That is key for a U.S. Open. So the, that will be what I'm focused on as far as the stats are concerned. David, what do you got? All right, good stuff, Pat. Well, you know, before we get to my course breakdown, I think we got to hear from a guy who's pretty freaking educated when it comes to playing well in the PGA Tour and playing Shinnecock Hills, as he was there in 2004, finished tied for 36th. We got Mr. Charles Howell III to give us a call late on Sunday evening, leaving the FedEx St. Jude Classic. He was very kind to sit down with us. We really appreciated Charles' time. He's a great human being. And now the second time he's been on the podcast, Pat. Second time. And it's good stuff. So we're going to talk about Shinnecock and learn a little bit about what Charles Howell thinks of it. So let's uh, let's check that out. All right, Golf Addicts, we are really excited to have the following guest on the show. It's now his second appearance. He's catching up with old Kevin Kisner in appearances on the Tour Junkies podcast. Mr. Charles Howell III on the line. What's up, CH3? How are you, man? Well, I'm doing great, thank you. And now that you mentioned Kevin Kisner on there, uh, i got to get a higher number than him. So I assume we'll be doing this again every week until I beat him. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like a good... Uh, that sounds good. You, you, uh, we can make that happen, man. It won't take much. I think he's been on the show like four times. So we're almost there. Uh, we're almost there. We, we, we get the um, up here pretty quick. <laughs> We appreciate you coming on, Charles. We wanted to bring Charles on to talk through the U.S. Open, Shinnecock, um, as as you competed there in 2004 and played pretty well. You, you finished tied for 36. You 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 made it out alive um, and continued to want to play golf after round four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so like that that week, I, I was actually paired with Bertie, uh Goose in the first two rounds. Uh, who obviously went on to win the golf tournament. And yep. uh, I remember the, the first 36 holes, he he put on the greatest putting display I'd ever seen in my life ever. And uh, the first day, I remember he had 23 putts. And I remember going yeah. back to the hotel and talking to my caddy, yeah, there's no way this guy can do that again. He got hot with the putter. It's unreasonable. It, it won't happen again. <laughs> and, then, and the next day, he has 24 putts. Um, yeah. So, but like that, that obviously, uh, this many years later, has scarred me. But um, no, it's just, just the golf course is is fantastic. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to play it away from a U.S. Open as well, 
and it's just it's it's wonderful. Um, I think everybody holds their breath when the USDA gets a hold of it. Um, yeah, but normally, normal tradition speaking, uh, Shinnecock is uh, is all world. I, I was going to ask you: Have you seen it since '04? And if so, how many times have you played it? I, I've, I've played it four or five times since then. Uh, I've been uh, done different corporate outings, uh, played there. And then I've been just up one other time, uh, non-golf outing, just playing it uh, normally with some friends. And um, it has a lengthy feel to it. Um, it's got a little bit of change in elevation on it. But, you know, where it sits on Long Island with National uh, right there and Sabonic close to it. I mean, the, the whole uh, area is, I mean, some of the best golf in the world, really. Yeah. What, what do you think? So when was the last time you played it? When was the last time you saw it? Uh, it, it was about a year ago was last time I, I played it. Um, so it was kind of in that transitioning phase of the USGA. Well, let's, let's start to narrow a few more of these fairways up, you know, from how, yeah. uh, Corin Crenshaw had widened it again. Um, and you know, I think this, you know, I mean, listen, <laughs> the USGA, that they, they have a knack for kind of, um, I don't know if you say messing up or maybe, you know, changing <laughs> a little too much of the essence of a golf course. So. I don't know come Thursday, Friday, what it'll be like, but uh, from some guys I've played it here over the last few days, they say it's extremely fair, uh, tough, uh, but 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 really fair. So you mentioned this term, you said length a minute ago. Where do you think a course like this ranks in terms of U.S. length style golf courses that have played in major championships? Is this the most lengthy U.S. track that we've had? Oh, um, man, uh, for major championships, I'd probably say yes. Um, especially if, if the weather forecast, which is meant to be fairly dry, maybe a chance on Wednesday of rain, if it stays dry and, and windy, which it will be on Long Island, I, man, if it gets firm, it was the fairways get firm and bouncy. I think it could play, yeah, pretty darn lengthy. Um, it's definitely going to show that from TV. Uh, you won't really see any trees on it. Uh, the, the guys that have played it here recently said the rough, like the thick, thick stuff, is nasty. Um, yeah. That if you find the ball, you, you're going to have a hard time even getting it back to the fairway. Yeah. What What do you so talk through? Obviously, in the U.S. Open and the USGA's goal is to make it a complete test of golf from tee to green. So we know that's we know that's the case. Yeah. In terms of in terms of um, other key things, whether it's distance, you know, a premium on accuracy, whether it's hitting approach shots into the right levels on these greens, or scrambling when you miss these greens, like how would you rank? Like what? What do you think is going to be the most important thing that you have to do in a U.S. Open um, to, to compete? Uh, well, I'd say number one is drive the ball well. Um, you, you've got to drive the ball in play. Uh, if, if you don't drive it well, it's you're, you're done Friday afternoon, you know, headed home. And um, now from that, uh, then I would say it's putting uh, because you're going to have the, you know, the six to 10 foot putts for par, uh, no, no matter what you do. So I would say, you know, like my preparation, let's say the next few days, et cetera, is going to be really focused on driver and three wood off the tees and then a ton of time putting. Um, now, obviously, I, I wish I could be talking to you as a major champion, <laughs> so I could tell you that this is true. But uh, it, it's it's what it's what I think. It's, it's what I've uh, noticed from guys, um, you know, from the major championships I've played, et cetera. 
Um, I still think the clubs off the tee are, are, are king. So does it present what it needs to in order to make guys like you, Rory, DJ, Jay, Kepka, JT, all these guys who are long, is the, does it do what it needs to, you think? Is the rough that you talked about, is it scary enough with 40-yard wide fairways to make those guys club down? And think, and think about hitting three woods and, and two irons and driving irons and all that. Well, I okay. Let's say let's assume that it drives. Then my answer would be yes. It, it will make guys think about that um, because forty yard wide fairways, if they get dry and bouncy, can play a whole lot more narrow than that. Now, yeah. let let's say that it let's say that it doesn't dry out and it, it kind of still stays soft and damp then no, you're going to see a bunch of guys getting a bunch of drivers and, and wailing at it. So my guess here would be that Mike Davis wants it to dry out and make guys start thinking about, ooh, maybe this same ball could land in the fairway but still bounce out of it. I may need to you know, be a little bit cautious here on what I'm doing. Charles, if you're like, looking at the greens, I mean, what are, are there some other courses that you would compare these greens to as far as um, how fast they're going to be in the undulations? You know, my, I, I would say that what you generally see in U.S. Open is you see pretty fast greens, but most of their speed is, is, is they get them from the massive undulations in them. And for whatever reason, they really get chewed up late in the day. Um, you know, this would be your, like, pristine, pure surfaces of, let's say, an Augusta National or even, like, say, Memorial, where we played a couple weeks ago. You know, these surfaces tend to get a bit chewed up and whatnot. Um, now, I have heard that they've shaved off a ton of area around these greens, so they, they want the ball kind of bounding and going away a bit. So, you know, that's a little bit different, too, than, you know, a lot of U.S. Open's where that heavy rough and say best is right on the edge of the green. So you, you mentioned earlier, Charles, and, and obviously we think wind is going to be a huge factor. You know, we may get a little bit of rain, but who are some guys in the field that you think are, are the best wind players? Uh, and and not, not Europeans, because that's typically, you know, we're always going to hear about the Europeans that are good in the wind. Who are some yep. U.S. guys that are good wind players? Well, you know, and part of this is because of his creativity, but Phil Mickelson, uh, he's a very, very underrated iron player. Uh, so. You know, if Phil is able to drive the ball in play, uh, I think you've got to you know pay attention to him. Um, I think uh, I mean obviously you just said you know don't go European, but a Sergio Garcia. Uh, uh-huh. I've seen him on windy, nasty days. Uh, he's been really good. Um, you know, on the American side of things, um, a little bit convenient here because he won today, but a Dustin Johnson. Uh, you know, Dustin hits the ball quite a bit lower than people probably would think. Um, and then, but, you know, sort of my sort of favorite younger American is, is Jordan C. Um, you know, just something about Jordan, that hit factor, if you will. Um, you know, Jordan kind of reminds me of a, sort of a Division One point guard that got picked on in high school. You know, he's kind of got that edge about him and he's got that sort of that grinder mentality and, um Maybe uh, a more respectful uh, field kind of where you know he's he's the guy you, you want him on your team and if he's not he he annoys you and um, yeah I would say he's going to be right up there Sunday this week uh, if all things would have pan out as they should. 
So, you know, you, you bring up Jordan, and I got to ask, because I know that you watched a ton of golf, Charles, and you're, yeah. you're obviously a huge, huge golf fan. A lot's been said about, about Jordan and his putting. Do you think any of that is, is overblown, or, or do you think it, is it something that he can just get back, you know, immediately from a, you know, it's just going to come to him? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that as far as his putting is concerned? Because there's a lot of talk out there. You know, I looked at his stats. Was it wasn't that long ago where he had one of the greatest runs in the history of golf, and it was almost laughable watching Jordan putt a ten footer and picking it up. It was, and his recent struggles here. I looked the other day. I was shocked that he was ranked is it 180th ish in putting. Um, you know, I still think that when you're a great putter, you're a great putter. I think he could get it back in a day. Um, I think he could get it back if, if he holds a key, let's say, 10-foot putt for par, then all of a sudden the anxiety is calmed down, et cetera. I, I think he gets it all right back. So, you know, he's a guy that his putter doesn't worry me, or if you're a Jordan Spieth fan, it shouldn't worry you really that much. All right, so I got to ask about some of the young guys. Um, yep. There's, there's going to be some, some younger guys that are that are in this field, some first timers. Yep. Any anybody come to mind on, on somebody you think might could could make a splash this week? Some dark horses. Oh, dark horse. Ah, uh, um, my goodness. You know, the U.S. Opens are tough for that. Um, you know, my somewhat man crush is still Rory McIlroy. Um, I, and I, and I know that's the opposite of a dark horse that's betting justify and I get it. Um, but I still think he is going to break out, uh, and kind of get back on his sort of major run, if you will. Um, though being in New York, it would be phenomenal if Tiger was up there come Sunday. Uh, I think not only for golf, but, but for, you know, him and his legacy, you know, et cetera. Um, but then, you know, sort of the, the slow and steady guys, I mean, you got to look at it, Justin Rose, uh, who's played really well and his game's really geared for this stuff. Um, man, I, you, you, you kind of stumped me on this dark horse question. I, I got to think about that. Well, hey, Charles, let me, I, let me, let me, let me throw four names at you. Let me throw four okay. names at you. Fire. And these guys are, these guys have been successful on tour, so. But they're dark yep. horses in terms of like, you know, it is the U.S. Open. It's a big deal. Sure. But a, a couple guys playing really well right now, Bryce okay. Chambo, um, yep. Luke, Luke Lift. And then okay. you have guys like uh, Patrick Cantlay and then Xander Shoffley, uh, who yep. won the tour okay. championship last year. What do you think about okay. guys like that? Um, Bryson, uh, I, I, he's a really solid, stable player. Um, you know, it always kind of, you wonder a little bit if it's sort of the over analytics and over preparation for a big event like this, where he's going to go in and try even more or try harder, if you will. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern there. Uh, Xander Shoffley drives the ball awesome. So I would definitely put him up there. Um, then my, then I would probably rank Patrick Cantlay slightly ahead of Luke List simply because I think Patrick drives the ball a little bit straighter than Luke does. Um, you know, Luke's obviously a long hitter, but, but you know, Patrick, when he kind of gets his nose up there near the lead, he, uh, he hangs around a lot. But of the four names yeah. he gave me, I, I would rank Shoffley number one. Interesting. 
Charles, um, obviously you talked about Tiger for a second there. The biggest issue for them this for him this year is has been the driver. I mean, you know, you look at his ball striking, everything else has just been fantastic. Um, yes. What do you think he's going to do off the tee? I mean, you know, with the these fairways being a little bit narrower, he's got to hit them. Uh, is it going to be stinger week? Um, and also, have you have you talked to him at all uh, about his his time on the course recently in the past week? So I'd say the stinger. I would I would hope that you would see that, especially if it dries out a little bit. Um, now, you know, the thing with Tiger is is people forget how darn good he hits his irons, and his ball hitting stats have been phenomenal, even with a bit of an iffy driver. So if, if the guy gets the driver in play, I really, really think he has every chance to win on Sunday. Um, with that said, though, however, a U.S. Open is not going to be forgiving at all to misses. And if his misses get off in the long stuff, it, 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 the U.S. Open is, just, is too difficult for even a player of that caliber to recover from it. Um, yes, I, I spoke to him a little bit at Memorial, and I tell you, he sort of got that look and that sparkle back in his eye. Uh, you can tell that his game is coming around, um, you know, more than anything. The guys just love him playing golf again. And it, it, it's just, it's who he is. It's what he is. And, um, I mean, he's a golfer. And, I mean, how many times have you heard golfers say, yeah, I'm quitting, I'm retiring, I'm not doing this anymore, and they're doing it till they're 70. You know, I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's what you are, and it's who he is. And, um, you know, as far as his chances this week, I, I mean, if he, if he somehow gets the ball in play, um, then he's got to be one of your top handful of favorites to win. Did he share anything with you about his trip to Shinnecock? Uh, no, I haven't spoke. I haven't spoke to him since then, so no. Um, I'm sorry. Well, I, we didn't. We spoke. We haven't spoke about that. Um, I, I played with Henrik Stenson today, and he was at Shinnecock on Tuesday, uh, and he was surprised how thick the rough was, like the Davis stuff we were talking about. Um, yeah. And but he thought it wasn't really a fair. Uh, judge of the golf course because it was soft because it had rained a little bit on Monday. So, um, but he even Henrik was surprised that man, I get in that long stuff. I, I'm not sure you can find most of them. Speaking <laughs> of Tiger, um, recently we, we've we've talked a little bit here on the show about a couple of issues uh, around just like golf culture. So we'll get away from the Shinnecock stuff a little bit. Tiger made the comment about. The PGA Tour considering allowing players to wear shorts. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking, you know, he talked about how you guys play in the hottest climates in the world. You basically yeah. follow the sun uh, all year round. Um, and when a guy like Tiger says that, the tour I'm sure pays attention. What do you think about that? You know, I'm. I mean, as you know, I mean, we're from the South and from Augusta, and I'm a bit of a traditionalist and whatnot. And I, I mean, I, I think golfers should wear pants. I just yeah, I think it looks better. Uh, I think it looks a little more professional. Um, I totally understand where he's coming from, and maybe for practice rounds, he would, you know, consider loosening the rule a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a dinosaur. I'm a bit of a traditionalist in that sense. I, I think, I think pants looks better. I, I'm, yeah. Uh, All right. I hear what he's saying, but we don't want to see his legs. <laughs> okay. All right. What if? All right, here's the scenario, Charles. You and me and Pat, yep. God help you, at what point of your life you have to endure this. But one of these days, you, the three of us are on the golf course together, yep. and we're playing a, a fun round. And on the, cat, on the first tee, I say, hey, Charles, 
do you mind if I play a little music? What, yes. Are you are you a traditionalist in that sense? You, you're going to have an issue with that? Not not one bit. In fact, I listen to music <laughs> okay. when I practice, or I listen to podcasts okay. because I because it, it just gets too boring. So no, I'm all for that. Okay. All right. That's interesting. We, we've had the debate lately on the podcast about some of the traditional stuff, like whether or not you should be able, you should have to tuck your shirt in, whether or not you should listen to music on the court. Some of that kind of stuff has come up lately. So it's funny that you you tapped in on that. And you and Pat are definitely in the same boat. Uh, more traditionalist, and yeah. and you both grew up at ACC. And I get it. It's it's okay. Um, I'm, yeah, definitely, so I'm definitely a tuck-in shirt guy. Definitely. <laughs> See, I am guy. too, because I feel like once it starts going the other direction, you can't get it back, and I just feel like it just spirals out of control. And but hey, like I said, I'm I'm 39 now. I'm I'm, I'm a dinosaur. What what about the like the Nike blade collars, right? Like, what about those things? That's not really a you know, shirt, is it? That, no, and you know, back in our days, growing up at the Gus Hunter Club, we'd have for sure got a letter for that. So. I, I mean, wonder. So I wonder now, if ACC allows that now. Do you I, know? Well, they might now with the millennialization of golf, but they, they might now. But I can promise <laughs> you, in our day, growing up, that was not allowed. <laughs> I remember when we interviewed you the first time. You, were, I remember that was one of the things you, you kind of. You, I asked you about the three things you hate, and I don't know if you said I hate millennials, but you definitely don't like some of the uh, some of the cultural differences, which is funny. Um, but no, I'm sure no, ACC exactly. does not allow. There's not a lot of the blade collars. Um, <laughs> no, I got letters that growing up at Augusta Country Club for hitting one extra ball into a green on the golf course. So I can promise oh. you the blade collars <laughs> back then would not have worked. <laughs> Jeez. Um, has there been any buzz on tour? Probably not, but I just got to ask. Has there been any buzz on tour about the recent Supreme Court decision, um, basically, that's, that's going to change the gambling um, uh, landscape of our, of our country? You know what? No, there hasn't. But what was interesting is this past offseason, we had every player had to complete an online gambling uh, tutorial, basically saying that, that we cannot gamble, we can't help other people gamble, uh, we can't tell people, hey, this guy's hurt, or this guy doesn't like his driver, or whatever, whatever. Or, yeah. or basically, if you get wrapped up and somebody, hey, I'm going to throw it tomorrow, I'll make sure this guy beats me. So it was it was really interesting that we had to complete that by December thirty first, and then now all of a sudden this ruling turns up. So huh. um, no, I it it'll be interesting where that ends up. Yeah, very interesting. All right, um, I think the final thought I have for you is: Have you seen our Instagram story game lately? Do you have I, have Have you been watching our Insta stories at all? Not really. No, I I no, I have not. But I can catch up on it. Well, actually, the last four hours. I'm, I'm new to social media. Yeah, I know. I know you are. I know you are. But I, I noticed a little bit uh, where, where you saw a few Insta stories a couple weeks ago, and yeah. uh, we had some good ones this past week. Me and Pat played in a member guest at Champions Retreat, and I didn't know if you happened to see those. I'm actually glad you did. So it's actually well, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. Well, that's a good thing. Well, that's a good if, thing. If you're so. kind enough to post them, then I will be watching them because I'll be really bored at my hotel the next couple of days. <laughs> well, how's your game, man? You feeling good about going into the week at the U.S. Open and um, and and taking down that major and, and you being a major champion? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm actually looking forward to this week. Uh, it, it's I've been playing good. I've been driving the boat a lot here, so it's actually you know somewhat nice to go and do. You know, major with the game somewhat in order. Um, 
you know, and I've played here before. I had a decent week here in 2004 um, until that Sunday. And, um, but no, I, I'm looking forward to this one. It, you know, it'll all be about, you know, getting the burn finals to see. If I'm able to do that, stable with that, you know, then I think I've got every chance. And uh, so that's, uh, as I said earlier, that'll be uh, the big focus through the next couple of days. Now, you're, you know, you're known for your West Coast, uh, you know, kind of course, course horse guy on the West Coast. And these greens are Pola out there, right? Aren't they Pola? You know, I believe they are, and I hope they kind of get bumpy Pola. And then I feel like everybody is at a dead even playing field with the putter, yep. and I'm all in for that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. Well, Charles, we appreciate it, man. Um, and we're we're big fans of yours, as we've always been. And we hope you play. We hope you play really well. And I would love nothing more than for you to win the major and right after the TJ podcast bump, maybe that would be what we need to go to the next level. Exactly. And, and, and one of the, actually one of the things <laughs> I will give you, I think Kevin Kisner will have a good week this week because the, the guy drives the ball really, really stable. Um, yeah. he's got a, he's got enough of that, you know, cockiness and edge about him. It's, it's, yeah. For a dark horse there, I, I would, uh, I, I wouldn't exactly count him out. Charles, you're mincing words when you say enough cockiness. Kevin Kisner has enough cockiness to give about ten other players on tour a healthy dose. <laughs> he definitely you know, does. I, I kind of wish he'd give me some of that because I, I wish I was a little more that way. Um, yeah. I really, I really like Kevin. We're quite a bit different, obviously, but uh, yes, I, I do. Uh, I do like that about him. Yeah. Well, don't tell him, but we'd love to see you you win, and he can finish second. Okay, we'll no, like, he, can, he can lose in the new, what is it, a two-hole playoff or whatever it is. So we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We'll work that out. All right, Charles. All right, we appreciate well, you, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, well, thank you, and hopefully we can uh, talk later this week after playing good. All right, Charles Howell the third making his second appearance on the Tour Junkies podcast. That was awesome. Pat, we have a number of things to take away. <clears throat> Excuse me. From old, old Chucky Three Sticks there, um, it seems like, yeah, definitely the rough is an issue, but it seems like it's all really going to depend on if the course is playing firm and fast. And that's one thing that, you know, you got to pay attention to is, the, is this weather thing. I don't think this is a week that you can get too locked into your lineups, into the players that you like and don't like on Monday or Tuesday. You really can't get too committed to that because we've seen on the PGA Tour in the last few weeks, you know, the tee time waves have a major difference. And there's 156 players playing this week. The top 60 in ties are going to make the cut. So you're going to have a, a much smaller percentage than normal make the cut than on a weekly basis on the PGA Tour. You've really got to take a look at the weather. And it seems like, based on what Charles was saying, Pat, that if this thing's going to play firm and fast and guys are going to be worried about balls landing in the fairway but bouncing into that rough, uh, it could definitely change your approach. So we need to be paying attention to the weather forecast. What are some other things that, that you felt like Charles uh, enlightened us on on Shinnecock? Well, I mean, you know, he talked about the greens a little bit. I mean, I thought it was a little bit – it was pretty funny when he was talking about the, the Poena-type greens and, you know, how it brings a lot of players into into the – field but yeah again this is just he mentioned that how tough this course is but it's just like you said the weather's going to be key um i think that it's 
here's one thing that the biggest thing I thought that I took out of it was when we asked them about dark horses and you know players that might be under the radar or new new guys that are you know playing U.S. Opens for the first time but have been playing really well on tour. He really didn't have a whole lot to say. He, I think he basically just told you right there that. You know, you've got to have some experience out here to win on a course like this. So I, I thought that was the biggest thing that jumped out for me was it made me think, all right, I'm going to be taking guys who, yes, are in good recent form, but also who have pe- played U.S. Opens on tough courses before. Yeah, he mentioned Rory <laughs> as a dark horse. Now, then, and then he, he, he followed back up at the end and talked about kids having a good week, but I mean, even Kiz really, I mean, he hasn't been in great form, but he's not some rookie. So it does seem to lend itself to having a guy who's a little more experienced. Um, and then, you know, he, he talked about Tiger. That was some good stuff. Just a fantastic guy. Charles Howell's an awesome dude. So really pleased to have him on. I hope that he helped you, the listener, maybe make some decisions or think about a few things. But I think no matter what, you have to you have to look at this weather come Wednesday night, and and you cannot be too committed to lineups that you've built um, prior to that because they they may require changing based on how this golf course is going to change. And the USGA is going to change the golf course. Like they, they want it to play, they they're going to want it to play firm and fast. So only Mother Nature is going to get in the way of that. So we just need to check it out, and you got to take these picks a little bit with a grain of salt. I mean. You know, we, we do some other content on Wednesdays. We'll be in the chat room on Roto Grinders Wednesday night. We'll have the XM show on Sirius 210, XM 87 from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. You know, those are some things. The chalk bomb's going to come out later on Wednesday after we have more information. Those are all things. You cannot start and end your research on a Monday for a U.S. Open, or you're not going to, you're likely not going to do very well. So I think that's a key takeaway. For me, in terms of the course breakdown and key things, I mean, it's going to be a tough week because I mentioned you have 156 players in the field. Only the top 60 in ties are going to make the cut. That's a very small percentage. You you get six of six through, and you're looking really, really good. It also means that more than likely you get five of six through. You're not dead. You're not drawing dead. You're not going to take down a GPP, but you're not drawing dead. Uh, unlike the Masters, where you have a smaller field and um, but if you get five or six through and you have some guys with a little bit of ownership leverage that pop, you can do really well. So for me, you know, we talk mainly about GPPs or tournaments. Um, if you don't know what GPPs are, those are basically big tournaments on DraftKings and Fantasy Draft and FanDuel. There's a lot of people in them, and um, the prize pools are guaranteed. And they're a little bigger. It's where you can win some big money. Obviously, DraftKings has the Millie Maker for the U.S. Open. We're going to talk a lot about that, and I think ownership is probably as important as anything else. Recent form is something that I definitely care about. I'm looking at um, the, the stats in terms of strokes gained approach, you know, ball striking guys, guys who are going to going to hit it well off the tee, guys who are going to scramble really well. You heard Charles say too at the end that with Poa Greens, it can kind of neutralize, especially as they get bumpy. So I'm not going to have a whole lot of putting stats to weigh in. We talk about this when the West Coast swing comes around with Poa Greens. They, they just they bounce a lot, and they can get unpredictable at the end of the day. So for me, it's really form, you know, approach, scrambling, and ownership. 
And then I'm going to let Wednesday night decide whether or not I'm going to have more bombers or less bombers. That's that's kind of my thing. What do you what do you think about that, Pat? Is that kind of how you're going to approach it or how much adjusting are you going to look to do on Wednesday night? Yeah, I think well, I'm going to be doing a ton. I'm probably not even going to even start to build my lineups until later on Wednesday cuz I, I don't think I am. I don't, I th- there's no reason to as far as I'm concerned and I think we want to get here from the players. Um look, you know, outlets like Golf Channel and whoever else, they have great um, interviews with the players and, and, and outlooks on the courses and things like that. You've got to, I mean, I want to take in everything before I start to put it, my lineup together, especially if I'm doing Millie Makers or whatever I'm doing. Um, with the way, this is a U.S. Open. I mean, it's it's just things could change from now until Wednesday a ton. So I will wait and probably put in my lineups last minute after the chat room on Roto-Grinders. Uh, on Wednesday night, and uh, like you said, it's just it, it's it's a U.S. Open, so you gotta you gotta take in all your factors. Listen to us, but you know maybe listen to some other people. Maybe not not like crappy podcasts, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> um, it's gonna be tough. It's definitely gonna be tough. I think finish points are gonna matter more than they normally do because you're not gonna have the birdies and eagles that you normally get. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to have the winner, obviously, but you're not gonna have to be perfect. Unlike the, unlike I think the Masters, I don't think you're gonna have to be perfect. So we're gonna talk a lot about the Millie Maker and contest selection. We'll talk a little cash game as well, some cash advice. But you know, right now it's hard to say the strategy because I think tee time waves are gonna matter. Um, and, and then that's going to, it's also going to affect whether you go studs and duds or balanced. You're going to want to check fansharesports.com on Wednesday night because they are going to go and curate all the DFS content out there the podcasts, the tweets, the articles, the YouTube videos, all that stuff. They're going to go out and listen to it, read it, and they're going to tell you who's getting talked up the most. That's what fansharesports.com does. We use them every single Wednesday night when we're ready to, to, to build lineups. Fanshare is going to be key in this. I mean, we can predict who we think is going to be, you know, highly owned or not, but we're recording this on Sunday night uh, just after the St. Jude Classic. So um, things could change, and you're, going to, you're just going to have to, uh, you're just going to have to pay attention. I, I think that's what, what's going to have to happen. So I think for myself, I'll have a mixture of balanced lineups and then a, a mixture of studs and duds kind of lineups. I think there's enough value at the bottom that I can play a DJ if I want to. Um, so I don't think I have to start a lineup in the 9K range. But I also know that getting 6-6 six of six through is really critical. Now, if you get 6-6 six of six guys and they're all chalky, you're, I mean, yeah, you might make some money, but you're not going really, to really get a, a big return. So let's, uh, let's, let's look at some picks, Pat. Let's go to the top of the DraftKings board. You have Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin uh, – I'm sorry. Yeah, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Jason Day and Ricky Fowler in the 10K and above range. All right, man, you got to plant flags. You got to make decisions. You got to fade guys. You can't play them all. Who are you playing? All right, everyone, hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Before we get into the picks, we do want to tell you about Peter Millar. You guys know the name. You guys know the brand, Peter Millar. Recently, we've been doing some work with these guys. We've been trying out some of their new golf apparel. Very recently, we've tried out the five pocket pants. They are fantastic. What I love about the pants, they're very comfortable. They're stylish, which we know I'm stylish. Pat needs all the help he can get. But we're helping him out. 
Between me and Peter Millar, I think we're going to take care of Pat. But these pants are lightweight, they're breathable, they're made of the highest quality Pima cotton. Got a little stretch in them, so you can grow a little bit. If you're, you know, if you're growing, putting on a little summer weight, you can do that. They fit like your favorite jeans. They can be worn anywhere, and the wash and finish is just the best there is. They can be worn year-round. You can wash them in the machine, hang them up. You barely even have to iron them. They're just, they're just go-to pants for any occasion. The ones that I'm wearing are the most comfortable pair I think I've ever worn. And I can I can just about say that about everything I've got from Peter Millar. So right now, if you head over to petermillar.com slash tourjunkies, check out some of our favorites there on that page that we have used personally. We love these, these clothes. Uh, be sure to use the link, and you'll get a complimentary hat and free shipping. That's petermillar.com slash tourjunkies, petermillar.com slash tourjunkies. Let's get back to the picks. Well, this is... Uh... It's tough for me, but I think that I am going to plant my flag this week on Justin Thomas at 11,000. Wow. I did not see that coming. I, I didn't think you would. And look, I, I'm, I, I can't argue with playing Dustin. I mean, how can you not? I mean, the guy's coming in in great recent form, obviously, with the win at the St. Jude Classic. Uh, has won a U.S. Open before just a few years ago. You got Rory up there. You got Jordan in there. Day. I mean, it's just a. It's a. It's a great group. Everybody, I feel like, is priced about where they should be. But I like Justin Thomas, and I think for GPPs, especially like the Millie Baker, I think he's going to be a little bit. He's he's probably going to be maybe one of the lower owned guys in this group besides Spieth, and. I just I just like him. I mean, he's in good recent form. Checks the box and strokes gained off the tee. Approach and bogey avoidance. It, you know, he's not making a ton of big numbers out there. Um, you know, he's sixth in the field in DraftKings scoring. So I, I like some JT at eleven thousand. And you know, you talked about you know strategy as far as what you're going to do. Average price line. Are you going to do studs and duds? There is so much good value to be even in that even in the higher six K range um, that you can fit a guy like Justin Thomas and build an incredible lineup. So he will be my top guy over ten K. And I like some Ricky Fowler at ten two. Another guy that I think you probably were like wow. maybe not yeah, as no, big. I'm not, so yeah. I do like recently engaged. By recently the way. engaged. Recently maybe engaged. that's a factor. Um, but I do like Ricky Fowler. I think this is a course that he can play well on. I feel like he should drive the ball well. Um, and so I think Ricky Fowler and JT are going to be, as far as GPPs, they are going to be my favorite two guys. Ricky locked up the pole vault. Yeah, he did. Very well done. Yeah, good job, Ricky. Very, very well done. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Pat, I, I did not see that coming. If you don't know, me and Pat do not discuss our picks prior to the podcast. Um all right, well, I have two picks here, and one is going to be super chalky, and I think the other one is not. Um, I'm going Dustin Johnson. I'm going to have some DJ exposure. I don't know where I'll come in at. Like, I don't know if I'll be right on the number or if I'll be overweight. I think I'm probably going to be on the number or overweight. I don't think I'll be underweight. So if he's 20%, I'll be at 20% or higher. I, I just I, I love the way he, he looks right now. Um and his last three U.S. Open performances have been ridiculous. So, uh, well, except for last year, Aaron Hills, he missed the cut. But the three prior to that were pretty good. Uh, so I'm all in on DJ. And then I think Charles Howell talked me into a little Spieth. And I was already a little on the fence just because Spieth is so 
he is so he is just that guy who's going to show up for a big event and at any moment just like charles said at any moment that putter can turn around at any moment that guy can get it together and we've seen him do this i mean he did it look at his round on sunday at augusta this year when a lot of people you know kind of counted him out and he wasn't playing great then either i just it's going to be hard for me to avoid Jordan Spieth if he's if he's anywhere projected sub you know 13% like that 15% that's going to be hard to avoid um so I think in GPPs I'm going to have Jordan Spieth and DJ and when I and and when I do my studs and duds lineups that's where I'm going to go now over on fantasy draft I love DJ I'm going to play DJ on fantasy draft he will be a little less owned on fantasy draft their their pricing tends to be a little tighter so guys don't don't usually play the top end as much. So I'm going to play him over there in their big tour card GPP. I'm probably not going to touch Spieth over there in the tour card just because, you know, there's only like 1,300 players in that in that GPP. So I don't think I have to be as cute. Um, but I'll play Spieth in the Millie Maker. I, I'm going to have some exposure to him. I think Charles Howell finally talked me into it. Hmm. Did you see that coming? I did not. I didn't actually – I'm not going to play Spieth. I still I'm not sold on him. I just don't I just don't see it. So he he will not be he will be like the guy that I'm probably like going to be concerned that I'm underweight because he could Got he it. could kill me. But I I I just don't I'm not gonna play him. All right, in the nine k, I have two guys, two guys that I like here, and both are probably chalk. I love Justin Rose, and I love Tiger Woods. I just, I mean, Justin Rose is playing phenomenal. I mean, everybody's talking about Justin Rose, but whether it gets windy, whether it doesn't, whether you put a premium on accuracy, whether you put a premium on bombing, Justin Rose can do it all. And the guy's form is amazing right now as a U.S. Open champion, uh, as you mentioned back in Marion. I love Rose. I'll take him on on fantasy draft as well. Same with Tiger, um, and and I believe in I believe in Tiger's game here. And I don't know. I mean, there's too many good players in this field for him to be super. You know, he's not going to be like thirty percent. So I'll be on him, and I and I'll, I'll look to differentiate other places um, with with my lineups. So I mean, obviously, if you play DJ, he's going to be super chalky. I'm not really going to work in a lot of Tiger or Justin Rose, but you know, if I have a speed lineup and I can pair him with Rose or Tiger, you know, I, I might I might feel feel okay about that. So that's it for me in the nine K. I'm not I'm not really. I think Brooks. We talked about it last week. I don't know. Like we just don't have enough of a sample on Brooks after the wrist injury, and I know he won last year at Aaron Hills, but he's got the wrist injury. And then, like I mentioned earlier in the show, 12 birdies this week at the FedEx St. Jude. Now, he he could have checked out. I don't know. Um, but I'm just – I think he's going to be chalky anyway. I think people are ready to play him. I'll gladly fade him. Um, and Rom, I'm just kind of indifferent on. If you want to play Rom, I'm totally fine with that. I, I don't really have a ton of reasons to talk you out of it. Other than a little lack of experience and temperament for a really, really difficult test of golf. The most difficult test of golf these guys see all year. That may be where I where I talk you out of it, but that might mean he's lower own. So what are you gonna do in the 9K? Yeah, I'm with you on Rom. I, I just I have a hard time taking a guy who 
has a history of you know some blow ups as far as his temperament's concerned. At a U.S. Open, there's just not. I mean, they're going to get frustrated at times. So I'm just, I'm not a big fan of Rom. Rose is my top guy. We've now we've done this show for what three years now. I'm not a model type guy, but when I looking at Fantasy National, when I have all the stats that I'm I put in there that I love, Justin Rose comes out number one for me. I mean, he is six in the field in strokes gained approach. Uh, well, he pretty much checks every single box, even all the way up to putting, which we always we, we typically weigh less of. But he's up there in the top 15 in the field in every single stat that I'm looking at. So I don't see how you can avoid Justin Rose. I think he's a solid play, whether it's GPP or cash. Um, you know, again, he's going to be higher owned, you know, but still, I, it's just a solid play. Tiger, I will have some of. I, I think, especially in GPPs, there's reason to play him. Look, the guy has been fantastic. He, I mean, literally, when you look at like his approach game, well, he's number one in the field right there. And then scrambling, he's number one in the field. So all that we have that's just killing Tiger is his driving the, you know, in in the driving accuracy and that kind of thing. Which, yes, it is key this week. But he could find it, and I feel like he. This is a tournament, a course that he likes. So I do like some Tiger, and especially in GPPs at ninety two hundred. I think it's a great price. Other than that, there's not really anybody here that I'm going to take. You know, you have to have some exposure to these guys in the nine and ten. You do. These are the top ten players in the field, and the odds of one of these players winning are extremely high, extremely high, and so. And, and, and we already talked about how there's going to be less points being made on birdies and eagles because it's a tough golf course. So finish position is going to matter. You know, I, you got to have you got to have exposure to these guys, and all these guys are going to be popular. I mean, some are going to be more popular than others, but you're going to feel to some extent like when you roster these guys, man, I'm, I'm eating a little chalk here. Maybe I'm being too chalky, but don't overthink it here. I just don't think this is where you overthink no, it. I think not you at plant all. your flag on who you want. And you do your thing. Now you pay attention to some projections to determine whether or not you're going to be, you know, a little underweight, a little overweight on them. I think you can do that, but don't overthink it. Other than that, it's going to feel a little chalky because these ten guys are are highly likely to win this golf tournament. That's just that's just what it is. Um, all right, let's talk eight K range, Pat. I want you to start us off in the eight K, and then we'll get into this juicy, juicy seven K field, which I think is likely where a lot of leverage can be gained. Yeah, there are so many players in that 7K range that I like. But starting in the 8K range, I have a hard time avoiding Stinson. I mean, the guy is just, I mean, he's obvious, he's number one in the field in driving accuracy, uh, number two in the field in bogey avoidance, four in the field in strokes gained approach. I think Stinson is, is definitely a guy that could, um, should play very well in this course. Actually, he mentioned, uh, you know, Stinton was there last week. Charles just mentioned him in his interview that uh, he's, he saw the course. It's, uh, I like that, that he's been out there before. Um, so I think Stinton's one of my favorite guys here at 800. Um, I like Mickelson. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Mickelson. This is like, you know, he's 48 years old. He's never won a U.S. Open. And this is a course that I feel like is sets up extremely well for for his game. He's played here a ton, I think, leading up into the tournament. 
Um, if you're looking at stats, he doesn't check a whole lot of boxes, but that's never Mickelson. I mean, he's never going to like check every single box for you. He played well recently here. He had a great final round at the uh, at Memphis at the FedEx. So I do like Mickelson at 8,600. I think he's a great play. Um, Bryson DeChambeau is interesting to me. I was surprised that Charles Howell wasn't like he. Yeah, sounds. Him. Yeah, sounds like he wasn't a big. He fan. was not, but I liked I like Bryson this week. I, I think this is, you know, he's a guy that's he. You know, he's won a U.S. Amateur. He's won the the NCAA championships. This is a guy that's, that plays tough courses really well. Is in great recent form. He's checks a box in strokes gained approach, also bogey avoidance, strokes gained off the tee, and driving accuracy. I mean, everything fits well for Bryson right now, and he's just had an incredible year. So, and you're getting him at 8,300 on DraftKings. I just feel like he is a a great play. It could a cash play to me. I think he is a core cash play. Uh, so I like that. Um, and then if you're going down to the very bottom, how can you not like Tommy Fleetwood at 8100? I think that's just an incredible price for him. He's ninth in the field in strokes gained off the tee, twelfth in driving accuracy, checks the box in scrambling and approach. Fleetwood is just. If, I feel like he's like there's a couple other guys in the 7K range that are like cash core, like just solid locks. Fleetwood's a lock for me. I mean, just a lock. If you're playing cash games, put Fleetwood in your lineup and then go from there. All right. I ha- I vehemently disagree with you on Bryson DeChambeau. I think this is not the place to play him. I think the DFS industry loves Bryson right now. He's so hot. We have to. I mean, we've talked him up. We've liked him. And it's a perfect time to avoid him. $8,300. He's priced in there with major winners like Bubba Watson, guys like Tommy Fleetwood, Paul Casey, Adam Scott, Brandon Grace, Patrick Reed, Phil. He's he's overpriced for this field. Now, a lot of it is form. But you're talking about a U.S. Open, the toughest test in golf, in one of the strongest fields all year. At eighty three hundred bucks, I will happily fade Bryson DeChambeau, especially, especially if he creeps over fifteen anywhere around the fifteen percent ownership range in GPPs. I'm out, and I think he's the last cash staple that I would take in this range. I would not take him. So, there's some disagreement for you on the podcast. Now, I completely agree with you on Henrik Stenson and Phil Mickelson. I had both of them circled prior even to our conversation with Charles Howell. I'm glad to hear Henrik uh, has already been over there and, and kind of seen the golf course. And listen, if he's talking about it, you know, kind of running out and avoiding that rough, he's great with that three wood. We all know what he did at, at the Open Championship a few years ago. He can play in the links. He can play if it gets windy. He can play if it doesn't. I think he's a great value right now. Um, and I and I'm going to buy into Phil. It's New York. He's playing good. I was happy to see him play at the St. Jude, which is his normal routine to play the week before the major and find some form, which he did. I just think you got to have some fill exposure this week. This is a spot. This is just a spot. It, it's where it got away from him in 04 when, the, when, when they lost the greens and Retief just did something stupid. I could just, this is just a great narrative to follow, and I'll be on Phil for that. I, I just, I think it's a good spot. Now, I also completely agree with you on Fleetwood. 
I think Tommy Fleetwood is poised to win his first major here at Shinnecock. Whether it gets windy or it doesn't, Tommy is your boy. He's a ball-striking machine, and I just think this is a great spot for him. I love Fleetwood at 8,100. I think he is a GPP play, and I think he's a cash play. I don't think he's getting as much talk on GPPs as he was. I mean, think about how much he was getting talked up for, like, the Masters and, uh, you know, fourth-place finish at the U.S. Open last year at Aaron Hills. Uh, I think 27th at the Masters a couple weeks ago, a month month ago, two months ago. I, I just I think he's I think he's getting overlooked a little bit, and I love it. Now below him, I also love Paul Casey, so I love the 8K range. Stinson, Phil, Fleetwood, and Casey. I'm riding those dogs. I'm going to be having a lot of these boys. Paul Casey at 8,000 and Deshambo at 8,300. Are you kidding me? There. Let me tell you. Okay, I would put Deshambo. I would take DeShambo probably in the Webb Simpson Louis Use Tazen range. So I think he's about four or five hundred dollars overpriced. But Paul Casey at eight thousand, the ball striker that he is, he's ninth in this field in strokes gained approach over the last twelve rounds. He's a, he's scrambling he's scrambling well. I mean I just I think Fleetwood and Casey are your cash locks. I don't know where you want to start your cash lineups, probably in the 9K range. But if it were me, I'm starting cash with like Rose or Tiger and Tommy and Casey. That's where I'm starting cash lineups. And I also love all four of these guys in the 8K range on Fantasy Draft are equal or better values that I'm willing to take over on Fantasy Draft, especially in the tour card. How in the world are you so... Like, I don't get why you would be so down on DeShambo. I mean, he's coming off a win at the Memorial. Just look at his last four events. He's gained 30 and a half strokes on the field. He's been fantastic this year from his recent form and everything else. Like, I don't see why. I don't, I don't understand why you're so down on him. It, it's, it's a, to me, it's a lot to do with price and value. The, he's and price extreme. Like, what's wrong with his price? You could argue he should be at the 9K range. Shut the shut up. All right, so Garcia's at eighty seven hundred. Hasn't done anything in the last like five or six weeks. Well, all year long. Okay, fine. You could say that Deshambo has been playing as good as anybody on tour this year. Outside of a maybe a few guys like DJ this past week, Jason Day. yeah, he's not playing better than DJ or Day or Rose or. You're giving me all guys over in the 9K range. And, and I mean, Patrick Reed's Patrick Reed's had. Yeah, but you can't just look. I, I get that his recent form is good. I give you that. And, and like like I said, we've loved Deshambo these last few weeks. Loved him. In a major championship at a U.S. Open, the toughest test in golf. I think he's overpriced for his experience. And given the people surrounding him. I, dude, I would love to make a bet with you on DeShambo versus Paul Casey. Oh, I will. You want to make that bet? I will make that bet. Okay, we got to figure out what that is. I will, I will make that bet that DeShambo will finish higher than Paul Casey, for sure. Okay, done. Let's move on. 7,000 range, ton of odds here, uh, you know, potential here. Let's start it. 
Let's look at 7,500 and above. So let's look at Cam Smith up to Adam Scott. I want you to give me where you're planting your flag because this is really where some big decisions have to be made in this upper 7K range. Well, actually, I'm not going to play. I'm not gonna, you know, Adam Scott's going to check the box for a, a ton of people when you're looking at every single stat category except for putting. He's 104th in the field in strokes game putting. So I, I'm not sure I can place him Adam Scott. But I like Alexander Norin at 7,900. I think he's a good play. Checks the box of fairways gained or driving accuracy. Bogey avoidance also off the tee and approach. So I do like Alex Norin. And Louis Oosthuizen, I think, is a decent, like, kind of a, a GPP play. I'm not going to play him in cash, but I do like him as a GPP play. Uh, great scrambler. Um, you know, has been you know pretty good off the tee. So I think that Louis Oosthuizen at 7,800 is a, is a pretty good play there. Webb Simpson is a guy that a lot of people are going to talk about. Obviously, coming in in great recent form. Um, probably checks. I, I haven't even looked at his stats, actually, to be honest, but it's probably he's going to fit almost all of them. They, yeah, they look really just, good. I mean, the only one I would think of would be that he wouldn't look good on would be off the tee, and that's just because of his distance. But other than that, he's probably looking pretty good. So I do like Webb. Um, Matt Kuchar, 7,600. That's going to be, I mean, he's going to be so high owned. I can't even, I mean, but that's, I like that as a cash play. I think Cooch is just a cash lock at 7,600. So I'm, I'm, I'm I, I like that there. Uh, very bottom, I like some Adam Hadwin at 7,000. Checks a box always in putting, driving accuracy. Oh, you must have missed it when I said let's go from 7,500 to 7,900. Did you, were you checking oh, out? Oh, sorry, I checked out there. Yeah, so stop there. Awesome. You go. Go. Okay. Um, I, I agree with you on Norin. I definitely like Alex Norin. I think it's a good spot for him. Again, don't know that he'll get a lot of chatter. I, Leishman, freaking Leishman. All right. I never get him right. Uh, yeah, I was on him pretty heavy in the memorial. He shot. Finished tied for 62nd. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm to be determined on Mark Leishman. That, that's where I'm at right now. Um, I mean, his last three events, he was 63rd at the players. Then he finished out with a second place finish at the Byron Nelson. And then he finished out with a 62nd finish at the Memorial. Like, I don't understand what's going on, but um, I think he has potential. Let's see what the weather's going to do, but I think you got to keep an eye out on Leishman. Webb is checking every single box. I think it's going to depend on weather and ownership. If it is going to be firm and fast, it's got Webb Simpson's name all over it. If there's any threat of rain that might soften things up a bit, I might lower a little exposure to him, or if the tee time waves don't look very good or the ownership just goes through the roof, I think I'll probably pass. Um, I agree with you on Kuchar, another cash game staple, and I will have some exposure in GPPs, but mainly cash. Um, I really like Keegan Bradley again. I, my Keegan radar is going off. We've talked oh, about it before. Gosh, are you serious? I know. Come on, man. I can tell when Keegan's in heat, and I've got him right every single week. He finished tied for 23rd at the Memorial, another tough golf course, tied for 7th at the Players. I think Keegan is, is feeling a little something. He's feeling a little something-something right now. Um, he's 10th in this field in strokes gained approach over the last 12 rounds. I just think now he does scare me a little off the tee, but, but he's, I don't know. 
I, I, I got a feeling in GPPs, I wouldn't recommend them in cash, but in GPPs, I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. It was funny to me that, that of all the players that I, I gave him, I gave Charles Howell four names, and he listed Xander Shoffley as number one over DeChambeau, your boy, Patrick Cantlay, and Luke List. Now, all three of those guys in much better recent form than Xander Shoffley, who has missed his last two cuts, but he did finish second at the Players' Championship right after finishing 72nd at the Wells Fargo. So his, his form's been a little, uh, it's left a little bit to be, uh, to be desired. But I do think as we look into ownership later on Wednesday night, it's something to look at. Um, he's also a California guy, and if you look over the last 50 rounds, he's 10th in the field in strokes gained putting on Bermuda, on, not Bermuda, on POA over the last 50 rounds. So a long-term sample. He's 10th in this field in strokes gained putting on POA. He's 7th in this field recently in strokes gained around the green. If he can just get the irons and driver dialed in a little bit to like where he was earlier in the year or at the end of last year, I think he could be an interesting GPP pivot from Uber Chalk Tony Finau. What are you going to do about Finau? Oh, wow. Um, not a huge on Finau this week. I really don't. I mean, he's just, he doesn't pop for me a whole lot. So I think that he is uh, a guy that I'm probably going to fade. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I know he's. Yeah, he missed the cut this past week. Disappointed a lot of people. He's checking a lot of boxes, but, and, you know, we had him on the show a few weeks back. If you didn't hear that, you need to go back and listen to that interview. He talked about how much he loves difficult golf courses. He loves playing on difficult tracks. But he's 127. Like, I'm looking at the last 24 events, 127th in the field in driving accuracy. Yeah. That's not good. That's not going to get it done. But, but then he talked to us about that little three iron he hits. That, like, so, yeah, I guess like if he does that. I mean, yeah, but still. Yeah, it might be. A, I don't know. I think he's going to be pretty chalky. So if you want to, if you want to pivot off of a super chalky guy, Finau might be the one. All right, let's look at the uh, seven thousand to seventy four hundred dollar range. Now you already mentioned Adam Hadwin. You want to finish up your Adam Hadwin thought and then hit the rest of the seven K. No, I do like Adam Hadwin. He's obviously a great putter of the ball. He is uh, in the top. I believe 15 to 20 in the field in driving accuracy, checks the box and strokes getting approach and trambling. So I think Hadwin's a great play. I like Shane Lowry. He's a guy that had to play. Whoa. He's a guy had to play his way into the field, had to qualify, but has been playing really well. He was 15th at the BMW Championship at Wentworth just a few weeks ago. Uh, so his form is coming around at 7,200 on DraftKings. I think that's a, a you know a very good price for him. Checks the box and strokes gained off the tee, bogey avoidance also. So I do like some Shane Lowry. How about our boy Jimmy Walker? Just yes, absolute. Yes. Fantastic recent form. A little Twitter talk from him this week uh, on yeah, the backstopping oof. issue. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Regardless of that, he's just been playing fantastic. You look at his recent form, he's gained 40 strokes on the field in his last four events. Jimmy Walker is, I feel like, healthy. His game is right there. He played well on a, you know on the 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 link style course in uh, at Trinity Forest just a few weeks ago, so I like that as well. So Jimmy Walker, I think it could be a fantastic play. 
Man. All right. I'm shocked you had Jimmy Walker. I haven't heard a lot of chatter on him lately. I'm with you, though. He checks a ton of boxes. This could be a nice, like, hey, I'm back. I'm ready to go. Um, he's a major champion winner. I think he's interesting at 7,300 for sure, and, and he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of love, and the form has been incredible. What are you going to do with Kiz after Charles Howell's fleeting thought there as we were ending the conversation? Actually, you know what? I didn't have a whole lot of Kiz, but but after he mentioned him, it made me start to think about him. He really doesn't check the the box all that much. I mean, no. he's like, like no. putting maybe. Um, yeah. I'm surprised that his – you know, his driving accuracy isn't, you know, it's like top 40 in the field, but it's not great. Um, he's not making a ton of birdies. So, I'm, I'm a, but you don't really need to do that. I want to, you know, make birdies on a, on a U.S. Open course, but I don't know. Kills is maybe one of those guys that you just take a flyer on and a few lineups just to, just to see what happens. Because you never know with him. I mean, he is so hit or miss. That if he's hot and he's hitting the fairways and he's making some putts, he could be right there at the end. He's played well in majors before. Uh, Chambers Bay, he was in the top 15. Uh, so in a, in a you know U.S. Open where played relatively tough, I guess. Not I don't know. It was kind of a weird event, but uh, you know, Kiz is just he's a guy. I feel like you could take a flyer on, but he's I'm not that confident about him. Um. Another guy, another GPP play that I think people are going to forget about because we haven't seen him since the Players' Championship where he finished tied for 11th is Ian Poulter. Poulter's checking boxes for me. And again, I don't think a lot of people are going to be thinking about him, but he's 14th in the field in strokes gain approach, 28th in the field in strokes gain around the green, all in the last 12 rounds. Um, I think Poulter's an interesting play right there below Jimmy Walker. By the way, in my model, if you will, which consists of a few different things, I don't want to get in, bogged down into it, but in my model, my weighted stats model, it has nothing to do with course history, nothing to do with form. It's all the stats. Uh, Jimmy Walker is number one in my model. DJ is number two, mm. which is interesting. It, it, it like made me stop. And we always said that when we Jeez. started this that we weren't big into the models. I know. <laughs> now here we are talking about models. I say model. It's a very loose term. Like it's free, it's um, it's fancy nationals uh, custom sex model. model. Yeah, I know what yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a not, great tool. It's not like it is a great tool, but it, yeah. Um, other than that, I want to give you. I really, really like the price of Chess and Hadley at seven thousand. So you like Adam Hadwin. I'm going to keep riding the Chesson Hadley form. I mean, the guy has gained 22 strokes in the last six weeks on the PGA Tour. Um, He is, let's see, he's 19th in this field in strokes gained approach, 21st in bogey avoidance, and 22nd in strokes gained putting on POA. I mean, at 7,000, I'll take Chesson Hadley, and I'll keep riding that form. So... He's a big play for me. Other than that, I'm not too – your Lowry pick is interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think I think Walker and Poulter, that's kind of it for me. And Hadley. Okay. All right, let's wrap it up. 6K range. Um, I mean, Steve Stricker. Boom. It's 6,900. Is really good. He checks a lot of boxes. 
but but he's going to be chalky, right? Like a ton of people are going to have. I think he's going to be chalky, but I still feel like if you're going to, I mean, if you're just trying to fill out a good lineup, I don't care if it's GPP or cash. I mean, how can you not get him in there? I mean, you're going to sixty nine hundred. It's it's just just a fantastic price for him. I, I love it. I, I don't care if he's chalky or not. I'm going to be eating that chalk for sure on Stricker. He's definitely a, a major value on DraftKings. If you look on, let's see, where is he? On Fantasy Draft. Um, he's 11-8 on Fantasy Draft. I mean, he's, I think he's a value on both sites, um, as is Chesson Hadley, by the way, over on Fantasy Draft. So, yeah, I love Steve Stricker. I think he's a great play here. Um, man, I mean... I, would you play Stricker in cash? Yes. Heck yeah, I would. Yeah, I think I would too. I think I think I go Stricker in cash. I'm with you there. Well, I think All right, who else I you got? think right there, you know, it's 6700. You know, the guy we've had on the show tonight, Charles Howell. I mean, that's a yep. fantastic price for him. That's a value. He's played, you know, we we talked about it when we interviewed him. He finished in the top 30 before uh at Shinnecock. Um checks the box on putting, driving accuracy off the tee. Bogey avoidance, his recent form has been good. It's always good for him. Um, at the lower end of this range, I think Sam Burns is always interesting. This is a guy that is just the next stud on tour. He's at 6,400. That's going to allow you to to fit some fantastic players in that 8 and 7K range in there, especially if you go with a, a guy over 10K. So I think Sam Burns at 6,400 is also another good play. Um, and he's a great putter, and you got to putt well at U.S. Opens. So I think uh, there you go, 6,400. That's about as low as I can give you. I, I got nobody else there. Hmm. Yeah, Burns is interesting. I, I think it. I think similar to um, to Deshambo, I think it'd be a little big for Burns. I think I think it's I think it'd be a big moment for him. Um, so I think I'll avoid him. Is that is that all you have in the six K range? Just those. Um, no, I think that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. That's all I had written down. Um, I agree with you on Charles Howell, and I and I had Charles Howell kind of circled before we talked to him at sixty seven hundred. The way he's been playing right now, the experience at Shinnecock, um, I, I just I think it's I think it's a good value for CH three for sure. Uh, another guy that I think is interesting who hasn't played great lately, but Brennan Steele to me, we know he's a scorer. Um, did not do well at the Players Championship. Shot at eighty one in the third round and MDF'd. Missed the cut at the Masters when a lot of people were talking about him. But I could see a rebound here in the month off that he's had since the Players' Championship. Plus, you're on POA green surfaces. He's a California guy. He's a little more comfortable putting POA. I mean, look at Brendan Steele's performance when the West Coast swing's going down. It's pretty freaking good. Um, 29th, 20th, 29th, 3rd. That's all out out there on the West Coast. He's a better player out west. So on those POA putting surfaces, I like Brennan Steele. I, one of the lower, in fact, is almost as low. Actually, yeah, it is. It is the the minimum price. I think Dean Burmester is in play at the minimum price. Dean Burmester 
has made 14 to 17 cuts on the PGA Tour. I mean, on the European Tour. But he finished 12th at Wentworth a couple weeks ago. That's a really tough field. That's a, that's a tough field on a tough golf course. Um, he, he, was, he was lights out. I, I just think, I think Burmester is, if you're going to take a shot in a GPP and you, you want to pair him with Dustin Johnson, you can do that. I mean, remember last year, Andrew Landry's coming out party at Aaron Hills? Yeah. He like came out of nowhere. Like, there's going to be one of those guys. I, I just don't like giving advice to those guys because I think it's, it's, I think it's tough. It's tough to really, tough. yeah. But I do think you get a guy who's, who's experienced at a bare minimum price down here sandwiched between Tom Lewis and Mathau Pavon, like guys you've never heard of, that, that's playing on the European tour and competing and playing tough events. So I think you, could, you can sprinkle a little, uh, a little love on, uh, on Dean. Okay. The Dean. All right. Uh, well, Pat, um, I think that about, I think that about buttons it up, dude. Charles Howell's price on fantasy draft at eleven four is stupid. It's dumb. That's a great price. Um. All right, so we got to hit one and done, buddy. It's a big week. It's a big week. Who you, who you using? My one and done is going to be Justin Thomas. Wow, you are in on Justin Thomas. All in on JT this week. All right. Um, hmm. If I use DJ yet, I don't think I have. I don't think you have. All right, I'm going DJ. I feel. I mean, I just think DJ is gonna freaking show up. Dude feels good. It's been a good show, Pat. It's been a long one, but it's US Open. You know, it's US Open. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget, um, the MyBookie bookmaker deal is in full effect. Don't forget the chalk bomb. Go to tourjunkies.com. Send us a, an email there on the contact form. Get the chalk bomb, and we'll be around Wednesday night. We hope you guys have a fantastic week. May your screens be green. See you. Out! When we go out to eat, we never agree on where to go. Pizza. Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Requires new line. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams at up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions. When we go out to eat, we never agree on where to go. I want burgers. Pizza. Tacos it is. The one thing we do agree on is we all want unlimited high-speed data. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four lines with unlimited LTE data for just $100, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Requires new line. During congestion, the fraction of customers using more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. Video streams at up to 40p. No tethering. See store for details and terms and conditions. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for Dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make Dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. 
Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 US only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right too with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4 Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet. And do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 US only.